Hey, Andy Sadler. Welcome to Masters of Medic. It is incredible to have you on the show. Um, the listeners won't know this, but this has been a long time coming. I think you were actually the very first person I approached to, to see if you'd come on the show before it, when it was just an idea where I didn't know where it was going to go before the book was out, before any of this stuff was a, was a reality. And um, I've been playing, I think, cat and mouse with you, your calendar, uh, busy guy um, ever since then. So I'm very, very, very excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Welcome. No, it's good to be here. Thanks, buddy. Cool. So um, for those that um, don't know you, those that have been maybe living in a cave or, or new to our industry, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your background, how you came into this wonderful industry of ours. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, very flattering statement there, by the way. I'm sure many people have got no idea who I am. <laughs> um, I um, Yeah, I've been in uh, enterprise sales now for, oh gosh, 25 years, actually. There you go. Um uh, originally found myself as a very young guy in uh, PTC uh, in the late 90s. Oh, my God, that's a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, really interesting. I was speaking to one of my very junior reps this morning. Uh, as a junior rep at, at PTC selling uh, CAD CAM software in a, in a very uh, industrialized part of northern England, they taught us two things. They taught us, uh, um, they taught us uh, medic, and they taught us competitive battle cards, and that was it. And uh, we, we had to go out and 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 sell a product based on that. So uh, that that's kind of the biggest uh, uh, sort of um, learning curve you're ever going to have. And then um, from there, stayed in enterprise sales, PTC, uh, Blade Logic. Uh, well, I don't know PTC. Uh, essential software, uh, Blade Logic, um, uh, and um, a couple of CRO jobs in, in the UK, and then uh, and then Sigla FX, and now uh, Imply, uh, predominantly around medical. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I think um, it's so funny to see the, the the pathway you've taken there, which I think is what a lot of people, you know, certainly some people earlier in their careers listening to the show will be trying to emulate, particularly those um, who are this side of the pond uh, in in Europe, where you know generally, although I think it's diversifying now, a lot of the a lot of the major medic companies, all of those major tech companies, have, have have started and been founded in the US, or even if they haven't, they've kind of moved their headquarters over there. So to have um, that kind of career that you've had, and then take some CRO jobs as well along the way, um, is 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 interesting and different to 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 a lot of people listening. I think. Yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I hope it's not too contentious by saying I don't like the term medic companies because yeah. um, medic is a deal qualification process. It's not a, it's not a company ethos. It's, uh, uh, but it is a, it is a way of, um, uh, we honestly used it at PTC and, and, and I've subsequently used it as a, as a, as a way of discussing very quickly um, between uh, commercial uh, teams. So I, I'm with you around the US because uh, I think PTC was one of the first, well, it was the fastest growing software company in the history of software companies. Um, but it was, it, 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 they definitely brought that over and I was a rep and then I was a manager. Um, but in terms of, um, it, it, you know, Europe, I think there's enough, um, there was enough curiosity and there is now enough organizations that want to emulate that, you know, that scale and growth type model. So, uh, 
so yeah, I think uh, uh, I think uh, if the if the listeners are thinking, do I have to move to Silicon Valley? No. Uh, the, the 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 thing that's changed, Andy, over time is uh, is the uh, investors, the VCs. So ever ever more so now, you're getting uh, European organisations, uh, or, or rather software companies, starting in Europe, uh, which you never got in. Uh, you know, you haven't really had in the pre. You know, maybe maybe twenty years ago, but now you've got lots of uh, unicorns and even decacorns starting here over here in uh, in Europe. Yeah, it's great to see, isn't it? And it's, um, I think it's, it, I think it's representative of of what I think is um, such a big part of why you know the second C came into medic of, of competition, which is kind of that. Um, ability that we've had since you know the since PTC days, where you know you, you knew who your competitors were on you know probably less than one hand, and they kind of um, there was not really too many other choices. The customers weren't going to build themselves, um, but nowadays with you know the proliferation of the cloud and and all these abilities that people have to build platforms and no code and all this sort of stuff, all of a sudden you've got the ability in in most people's hands to start a, a technology company. And so, you know, that I think means you don't have to be in Silicon Valley because you don't have to be sort of hiring developers that are nearby. Um, you can kind of do it anywhere. And particularly with, you know, the, the acceleration through things like COVID, remote works again. So it's um, I think it's interesting that um, I think we're going to see much more of this around sort of distributed companies and teams and that sort of thing, um, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I think that it's interesting. Let's talk about second C in medic. Um, um, I, I actually think the second C in medic. I, I spoke about battle cards, and battle cards was our second C in medic in uh, in PTC because that was who was our competition. And uh, pretty much at PTC, if you looked at the the, the competition and the way to compete with the competitor, um, one of the things you'll learn about me if you don't really know Andy is. Uh, I, I, I'm a plagiarist. I bring other people's work into everything I can. Yep. Uh, and, and by that, I mean authors and, uh, and researchers. So the second C in medic for me is the art of war. It's, mm. uh, it's some C, right? So if, if you look at what battle cards were at PTC, we were only a direct sales force. So we had a three to one advantage over everyone. So our second C in medic, our battle card was get them in a fight because we're going to win. Right. Now, what, what, what subsequently over time, if you look at the art of war, know your competitor as well as you know yourself, and you've just mentioned competition, the proliferation of competition becomes harder. But with access to data, with social media, it, it, it's only the, dare I say, lazy who don't take that approach uh, to understand uh, your strengths and your competitive strengths enables you to decide what your competitive strategy would be. Will it be direct? Will it be indirect? Will it be uh, divisional, where you're going to win and they're going to win, or, or will it be uh, a a a a, um, a delay strategy? And uh, we could talk all day about that. I'm a, I, I've spent a lot of time uh, reading the history of warfare to understand yeah. that. <laughs> Well, you, you and I, I think, share this in um, I'm kind of famous amongst my sort of peers and friends for, for turning everything into an analogy. And I have two favorite subjects, which I um, two favorite topics for analogy, um, one of which you've talked about, which is the battle, the war analogy, um, because, you know, I, I think about sales as being so similar. And you're touching on it there about, you know, you've got the frontline sellers, um, you know, it's, it's in all the terminologies we use. You mentioned battle cards, frontline sellers, and you've got sort of go to market, which I always imagine 
the go-to-market when you're doing those years beginning of year planning sessions and you've got you know your CMO, CRO, and all those stakeholders, you almost imagine it being like a big map, a big battlefield map, and you're kind of moving in in, in the battle terms, you're moving forces, battalions and things, but in in the, the go-to-market terms, you're moving budget, you're moving resources around to kind of and and what I really like about how you described that that analogy of the battle there is you're talking about the art of war and Sun Tzu, which is you know ancient ancient times um but as as um as warfare's evolved and as 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 competitions evolved you've had to kind of evolve with it so it's it's kind of what you were talking there about whilst it's become in a lot of ways more complex to compete there's more competitors there's more um ways that you can be competing from being just you know in the ptc days as you, as you mentioned it was just your rivals nowadays you've got to compete not just against other solutions that have vast arrays of overlap of yours, not just your rivals, but things that do the same things or a bit of what you do and a bit less to self-build to other initiatives that, that are coming on because there's just so many opportunities available to 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 see whole uh, sea levels decision making now. So you have to, you know, just the same way as if you're a general, you haven't just got your, you know, your archers and your 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 samurais as the art of war have. You've got all of these other things as well. So I'm I'm totally with you on the analogy there. For sure, no, I, 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 absolutely, and, and and it's not a shallow analogy because, um, and I don't want to talk about warfare because it will divide your audience. But you know, Winston Churchill was an amazing champion builder. You yes. know, uh, in, in getting the Americans to uh, uh, to participate in the Second World War, and uh, he had a champion building strategy. He understood he understood what was in it for his potential champion. And then he had to develop, he identified that champion in the US president. He understood what was in it for him. He started to understand the negative consequences if he didn't put it, his battle force behind the battle around, uh, around trade. Um, and, then, uh, and then got him to participate. So it, 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 I don't think uh, we're talking about human behavior. So human behavior, whether it be um, uh, doing a, Ten million dollar deal in a in a in a in a worldwide bank, or whether it be um, uh, anything, it, it's human behaviour. So uh, uh, the 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 uh, first scene medic is is about uh, uh, personal uh, understanding, personal wins, and um, and aligning that win to your win. Yes. that's the real uh, art of uh, of uh, of champion building. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. We used to have this. Um, we used to have this stat at Sprinkler that was. Um, I, I, I've been saying it for years that it was like eighty-five percent of people that that buy that would the, the, the champion for the, the the seller when they were selling Sprinkler um, got promoted within their first six months of buying Sprinkler. I, I recently found an old notebook from from back then. It was sixty-five percent, and I think I just added another five percent each time I mentioned it. But to your point, that's. Um, that statistic was an, was probably the best line pound for pound you could say in a meeting with a potential champion because it just aligned them with what could be one of not not definitively because not everyone's motivated the same way but would align these people at the time where social was up and coming and, and a big big mover with you know the the art that you know you're you're maybe the first person in this organization who is doing who is kind of a, a, a social media executive but they're you know if you do play this right then you could be the person running this department in six months a year's time and have a team underneath you and that was that for me 
I don't think without that line, I would have seen what you're talking about there, about the sort of vested interest. I would have seen it so clinically as I did with that line. What's really interesting there, Andy, is, um, again, to bring in different uh, processes or theories or, or um, structured approaches as opposed to it just being an acronym is um, – in the mind of that potential champion, I would argue the fear of not doing it first, as opposed to the ego of doing it first, is yeah. actually the driver, not the uh, uh, the mo- you know is actually the driver for doing it. So, um, it, 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 fear uh, in the sort of neural neural uh, system, uh, fear outweighs greed. Yes. So, yeah. If um, if uh, you could be as hungry, if you were a, a wild animal, you could be as hungry as you like, but if a lion comes around the corner, you're going to run away. Yes. So yeah. Um, yeah. understanding how we make decisions uh, is, uh, is is important in that, in that uh, champion building as well. Yeah, and then what you're touching on there is fascinating to me because I often, as, as many people do, split sales into a science and an art. And um, medic is often associated with the science because it's, you know, as you mentioned, a qualification framework. But I think that what you're what you're really touching on there in my mind is the differentiation that comes with having wired classes more being the art. And that's about the ability for what you were talking about there to read in that person that they are actually. Um, more impacted by the fear than they are of like the, you know, the opportunity that's there. And I think being able to see having the EQ to be able to see that in a person and spot it, and then obviously react to it and, and, and sort of empower the opportunity that comes from that is, is a very, for me, and I don't know what you think. I mean, you've, you've, you, you're one of the, probably one of the most, um, you probably recruited more salespeople pound for pound than, than most, most sales leaders out there. It's one of the things that I think, don't think, I don't think gets discussed or, or, or focused on enough is that, that kind of real EQ bit. Is, is that, is that something you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I did a, 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 you know, it's no, it's no secret. My, um, my, my recruitment um, criteria, it's no secret. And the first one is intelligence. And intelligence is broken down into three elements. Uh, IQ, can you learn and retain information? Uh, uh, EQ, can you control your emotion under pressure? And uh, I repeat, um, your, your, your natural reaction to the unknown is, is to react with your um, right side of your brain, with your emotion. Um, your left side of the brain, your logic controls it because you know that it's a, a man in a bear suit and not a bear. Um, and then the last one, uh, which the uh, SAS called uh, the SAS called rapid intuitive experience, which is which is basically how you make the decision. So you make a decision which is E first, then minus I. If the I is bigger, you'll make an intelligent decision, and if the E is bigger, you'll make an emotional decision. So you might shoot the wrong person. Right. So. The way you overcome that is by uh, d- developing uh, I, which is knowledge, and learning and learning and learning and learning and learning. Therefore, you'll make more better decisions than, than poor decisions. So in the recruitment process, you're absolutely correct. You know, The first thing we look at in recruitment is, uh, is intelligence because ultimately uh, the, the acronym behind your head uh, 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 is a – both a deal qualification process, but it's a way of communicating, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 you need to be pretty smart to be able to do it. Um, 
the the worst uh and 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 to come back to your art and um and science part it is a science uh approach the way it's implemented is the art um so i can ask you outright hey andy what's your personal win you're not going to tell me now if i've if i've got to know you personally and we we we, we've shared some things which show my uh uh, vulnerable side and you've gone oh wow that's really interesting and we've 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 harmonized on something and then i say hey why are you doing this can you say you tell me you told me in a different way okay so we can write down the all the questions and we can get a a 24 year old sdr to ask the questions and not they're not going to get the answers right so It's about um, both that, uh, science and, and art coming together. Yeah, ah, I love the way you articulated that. That's that's beautiful, and I, I I feel it so. I think, and I think people listening to this, you know, it's kind of one of those bits where I'm sort of in my head. I'm thinking this is going to be a great soundbite because you can just imagine people nodding along with that, and it's kind of it's very it's very rarely articulated it so eloquently. So thank you for that, and I, I really do um, believe in this a lot. And there's so many, you know, through my my experiences and through my career, there's so many little sort of um, as well as sort of building that rapport and building that relationship, and almost like the the credibility and the right to kind of allow that person to open up to you. There's, there's so many different sort of um, bits of psychology that go into it. And it, it does come back to what we were saying a moment ago, though, of having the ability to, to, to know that you've earned the right to engage in, in that kind of exchange. Look, the, the, the big thing, and I, I've done some lectures uh, at Imperial College on this. Um, so funny. So I was doing a lecture. And um, I'm in this lecture theatre in Imperial College, and there's like 150 or 200 MBA students. Yeah. So I say, uh, quick question, guys. Uh, how many of you want to go in sales? Nobody puts their hand up. Yeah. I was like, cool, okay, no problem. How many of you want to go into business? Everyone puts their hand up. Yeah. I'm like, cool. You're an MBA. Okay, that's kind of crazy. Can you define business? And uh, they're like, oh, you know, we uh, we offer this service. And oh, great. Who do you offer it to? Well, we offer it to clients. Great. How are you going to interact? Uh, how, well, let me, let me kind of demystify that for you. You're yeah. going to pipeline generate, which means you might market, you might, you know, whatever. And then eventually you'll sit down and you'll agree a contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's selling. Wow. So how many want to go into sales? 150 people put their hand. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and, and the acronym behind you is the secret source to what, you know, now they don't teach at university. They don't teach it at business school. Um, although I actually believe they, sh- they, they, they should. In America, they do t- teach sales at business school. Mm. In England, you go to a dinner party and say, oh, what do you do? Uh, oh, I'm a this. I'm, oh, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sales guy. Oh, don't talk to him. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's really kind of strange, the psychology behind this, uh, in in my opinion, it's all wrong. Yeah. It's my favorite. It's, it's, it's one of my, it's one of the the downside to that thing is, you know, it it does have a certain stigma, which I think is, is on ourselves to fix by the way. But, um, there is an upside to that dinner party conversation of, of, well, not so much dinner party, but, you know, I I find it when I'm sort of mixing with a certain crowds that, you know, maybe the school crowd and you're, you're kind of, you don't want to have to get into like what you do and talk about it. If you just say you're a salesperson, people leave you alone. They think, you know, it's a a good tactic. the, The reason I said that is, um, when you spoke about the right to ask the question, mm. okay? 
And a lot of uh, junior uh, um, people, and you see it on LinkedIn with their job titles and so forth, is they shy away from what they're actually there for. And um, if I get brought in, because um, I've got a bit of gray hair, if I get brought into a deal, I will genuinely say, hey, I'm trying to sell you some software, but I'm only going to sell you the software if there's something in it for you. Yes. And that uh, transparency, I think, earns the right to then continue uh, in that level, as opposed to sometimes people are trying to present themselves as um, something else. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't help them when they come to champion building because that level of transparency is, is, uh, is, is, is going to hurt them because they've not been very uh, clear, clear and direct. Yeah, I, I, I could not agree more. And I, I think like that I always sort of, I take the mickey out of people to have those kind of, you know, what, you know, industry title insert here, consultant or whatever it is in their LinkedIn title that's pretending to be a consultant. Because I, I always say to them is, is what are you expecting is going to happen that you're going to, you know, engage in some free consultancy and then sort of slip an order form and the customer's going to go, ah, oh, you're a salesperson. Oh, well, you, you got me. So I better just sign this order for me. You know, what, what's going to happen as we know happens is that the customer goes, well, thank you very much, Andy. That was, that was really useful. So we'll, we'll consider it. And you're like, well, wait, what? No, no. I, what about my order form? Like, you know? um, and, you know, you end up wasting your time. Yeah. 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 I, um, it, 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 I, again, just to bring this back to um, your, uh, the acronym behind you. Uh, and again, I'll bring some li- li- real life example into that statement. I was on a call again this morning with a, uh, a gentleman we've just promoted actually uh, from an SDR. And um, it's his first role as a quota-carrying um, salesperson. He's very excited. And as all people, you know, the, the, the driver is he doesn't want to be embarrassed. Yes. So, therefore, he's gone from this amazing qualifier uh, and in, in the eye of spin. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, in the eye of medic, we use spin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the identification of pain, but then we that's situational. And then we take that pain through a process. Um he, he was brilliant at it, and now he's a sales guy. He's gone uh, into um, uh, he's identifying pain as in the situation, and he's solving it with answers. Uh, yes, <laughs> and he's wondering why uh, his deals are all uh, his pipeline is drying up. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, 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 the ego of I'm not just a salesperson; I'm a consultant. Therefore, I've got the answers, as opposed to your job in the eye in medic is to understand. Why is that important to you? And is that a pain? Yes. Is that a problem? Why is that a problem? Yeah. Why has it not been solved before? Really simple questions, which means this is closed, these are open, and they're talking and giving you data. That, yeah. that gets lost, uh, in, in my opinion. And that's the one part of, and I repeat, I've taken medic and I've put in different processes for each of the stages. In the I part, I spent a long time there because mm-hmm. – um, uh, uh, it's not complete enough and just the identification of pain. And I think what you're talking about there, actually, it, it all comes together because I think if you look at the reason why people are hiding the fact that they're a salesperson in their LinkedIn profile, in, in their persona, in their behavior, is because they're, they're not confident enough 
of themselves, of their proposition, of the of, of the value that they bring to the table. And therefore, they're kind of putting themselves on the back foot into defense mode. And to your, your point there about the gentleman you've promoted, um, that what I like about it is um, that it, it really shows this scenario where um, I, I, he, he is engaged in this opportunity. And because he hasn't gone through those cycles of winning deals, of, of seeing the value he delivers, his persona is instantly like, I need to keep this customer interested. I need to, that customer got a problem. I need to show I can solve it. They've got a problem. I show them solve it. When you and I know that um, the problems resonate when you dig deeper, the problems become, that's why I sort of go from the identify to the indicate, the implication of pain. And that's kind of really resonates where the customer goes from, yeah, I have got this problem and yeah, it would be nice to solve it. It's being like, oh, okay, that's how much it's costing me. That's oh, okay. It's more than I, more than I consider to being like, okay, I, all right, please just stop talking. I just put an order form in front of me. I need to solve this immediately, if not sooner. And I think that really comes back to that confidence of just being confident to just to sit there a little bit longer and dig a bit deeper and just, you know, you know, just sort of dig in a little bit more. And um, I always use the analogy to kind of set the the, the mindset of this. Of um, have you seen the film Limitless with Bradley Cooper? I don't think so. Okay, it's one of my favorite films. I, I won't spoil it for those that are listening who haven't seen it, but it's uh, I'll cut it short. It's basically set in New York. Bradley Cooper plays this author who's down and out. He's got a book. He's missed his deadline, um, and his his girlfriend leaves him, and he's he's really like down and out. And he meets an old friend who's a former drug dealer turned sort of. He looks a bit suave and quite a long story short, they have this pill called NZT, which basically turns your brain from having 4% of its capacity to the full hundred percent. So you can learn a language like that. You can learn Kung Fu like that. You can learn to play classical piano like that. And you, you, you know, obviously you can put it to learning stocks and trades and the film goes on a certain course. But what I always try and say to people who have seen the film is you as a salesperson, in the role you're in, you should feel the same way as a salesperson selling NZT would feel about their product. Because if you don't, if you're in a position of selling a product and you don't feel it's the best product out there, you don't feel that it delivers huge value to your customers, then you're in the wrong, not just the wrong uh, company, potentially the wrong job, because you, you shouldn't be selling the product you're selling unless you feel that. So putting yourself into this situation with NZT, where you've got a pill with no side effects that turns someone's brain from being 4% to 100%. If I was to be selling that to you now and you were to start going, mm, yeah, I'm not really sure. Actually, I, I, it's a hundred pounds of pill. Um, you know, coffee's only four pounds and I get a kick from caffeine. I'd be like, see you later, Andy. I'm going to move on to people that value my time. I'm going to move on to people that are qualified. And I think if everyone had that mindset in sales, we wouldn't have to hide where we are. We would be much more um, credible, much more confident and, and, and a lot less time for customers and salespeople would be wasted. Are you the drug dealer in that analogy? Say it again, sorry? Are you the drug dealer in that analogy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. Like, uh, it's, it's, not, um, it's not approved, this NZT thing. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I do think it's a fun analogy because it just puts you in the mindset of thinking, actually, you know, if I, if I did have something like that is just black and white, no question about it, super valuable, you would behave completely differently to how we behave as salespeople. But as salespeople, we've got behind us all of these case studies, proof points, metrics that really show that we deliver value. Um, so, you know, we should just lean into that, be a bit more confident with it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. 
Cool. So my other favorite type of analogy ever than war analogies is one that I think will be up your street as well, being a, a former ex-football player. And we, we say football um, because that's what the world calls it, except for one continent that refers to it by something else. I can't remember what it is. Not very referred to very often, but we're talking about football, the game you play the ball at your feet, um, which you were a former professional player, right? Long time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> very long time ago. But, very long time ago. What I love about that and the opportunity to talk to you about this is I, I, as I said earlier, I'm kind of famous for my analogies. The one that's right at the top of my list is, is the football analogy. It's for me, it fits so beautifully with our craft, with our industry of how we go to market, how we act, how we, you know, all those things we talk about when you're, um, when you're recruiting, do you, is there anything you look for in, in potential hires that, that kind of points to this kind of background or. Yeah, well, well, I've got two points on that. Uh, I'm going to shout out a good mate of mine, Bruce Hunter, uh, who was my first manager at PTC. And um, I, I was, uh, uh, he was then my AVP when I was an RD. I was only about 25, 26. Bruce was only a couple of years older. And um, he said, we were, recruit- we were recruiting and I was trying to recruit number nines all the time or number sevens. And he said, sometimes you, every team needs a Gary Neville. <laughs> I, I've just never forgotten, and uh, you know, every you know, whether I've been a first, second, or third line manager, I've always kind of kept that. You know, analogy is we, we, we you do need to build a team, and uh, if you build a team of of number nines, you're gonna probably fail because they're gonna eat each other, <laughs> uh, and um, it, it, so I, I touched on the uh, you know recruitment uh, well I, I told you one of the, the, the number one recruitment criteria which is around intelligence the second one being uh, coachability and you, you're right my sporting background was hugely valuable in my uh, in my professional career because ultimately uh, when you're playing uh, sport um, you spend 99 percent of the time on the training pitch and one percent right. in, in a competition right so uh, it, it, you know again <laughs> Another uh, great mentor of mine, uh, Mark Cranny, says, you know, if you've got um, eight hours to chop a tree and you've got an axe, what do you do? Well, you spend seven and a half hours sharpening it and half an hour chopping. Okay, not eight hours chopping. So (laughs) two simple analogies that say, you, you know, you spend the time. In the in, in in the classroom or the strategy room or the boardroom or whatever room you want to call it, the whiteboard, uh, and that's where you your analogy of, of battle fields came up. But to do that, you have to have discipline. Mm. You know, when you uh, when you're if you're training uh, under seven year old you know footballers boys or girls, they just want to go on the pitch and run, and yeah. you can't stop them. Right, uh, just let them run. If you've got a bunch of, uh, you know, 17-year-olds, they'll sit down and listen and strategize and understand what it what it means. And that's the analogy you're referring to, which is, you know, we have to have the mentality of stop, learn, and then, then go forward. Uh, and part of that is um, to be audibly ready if somebody says, why wouldn't I use this? Now, if you don't know the answer, the quick question is, why is that important to you? Uh, uh, and that should be always a question, by the way. But ultimately, you're going to need to know, you know, metrics. And a metric isn't just a number. Mm-hmm. A metric is 
a metric that matters to the customer, but also a reference case study that you've got as an example of it. Otherwise, it's just a hollow statement. Um, and if you want to take that even further, you've then got to go, okay, well, you know, that's, and then how did they do that? Now we're into the decision criteria, technical. So, you know, and, and it's like, well, can you give me, a, 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 you know, a, a, an example of that? Now we're into champions and we're hoping that our champions are not just going to defend the cause of where they were. They're going to defend my cause uh, and, and, and be used uh, for the E, the economic buyer in the deal that I'm at. So, you know, learning this isn't just learning it as I keep saying it. It's not a deal qualification process. It's a communication methodology mm-hmm. uh, to do that. It takes a lot of time. Um, when I was at uh, BMC, when Blade Logic uh, were acquired, obviously I wasn't going to stay at BMC because it's a big company. But we 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 got an opportunity to um, uh, to try on a bigger scale than we'd had before uh, some of the approaches. Um, we um, we weren't necessarily finding the right uh, salespeople in the recruitment process. Um, so we decided to build them. Yeah. So I built a postgraduate program. Yeah. And the postgraduate program was uh, basically three months in a classroom. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And three, uh, literally three months in a classroom, probably uh, 85 exams, I think, in that process. Um, and then three months uh, in the field. And then a final exam and a qualification, then a promotion. Brilliant. Uh, um, that was testing the theory that we, we're now both discussing, which is, you know, is it is it a learnt trait or is it uh, is it an art? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my argument was, it's, is it it can be taught, therefore it can be learned, therefore it can be broken down uh, into. Uh, I can't remember how many modules we had in three months, but it was. Uh, if you just take two hours, divide that by so four, 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 four a day, twenty a week, times that by um, you know however many you know uh, twelve weeks. Okay, so um, and we successfully did it. We managed to get uh, we did it for three years, and we got probably twenty five. We did ten a year, ten people, and we taught them everything. These people had no commercial background at all. They were they were recruited. Uh, straight out of um, Imperial or London Business School. And they were taught medic, spin, power base, uh, everything. And um, some of them have gone on to have amazing careers. Um, You know, um, I won't name them all now, but some have gone on to do amazing careers. So that's a long answer to what did I take from my background as a structured athlete to being in a structured uh, business sense. Yeah, but it, it, I think there's so much in that because the fundamentals um, over time remain the same. So, you know, if we're talking about football, we're talking about, you know, movement, we're talking about touch, we're talking about all of those things remain the same. What changes around it, maybe the formations, maybe the, you know, wingers become a big part of the game. Maybe they don't, you know, maybe it comes back to the center and all these different things change over time. And for me, that's the same thing as we see in our industry where, you know, things like social media come onto the, onto the scene. Things like the, the, the prevalence of information on the internet means that customers are coming to us much more informed than they were before but it's the fundamentals always remain the same and what's fascinating to me is 
you mentioned medic there, but you also mentioned power-based selling and spin selling. Two books, two, two kind of frameworks, if you like, that are, you know, I think probably um, older than I've been selling, I think, perhaps. And certainly in the case of uh, power-based selling or um, spin, I think it's been around a really long time. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, the only three, the, the, I, I repeat, uh, I'll take, you know, 30% of Neil Rackham and I'll stick it into the pain part. I'll take... Yeah. Uh, 40% of power base and I'll, and, and I'll stick it into the champion and the competitive differentiation part. Yeah. Uh, and also a bit into the, in, 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 into, uh, EB. Um, mm-hmm. because again, if we look at power base, uh, many people fall for job titles and <laughs> power base, you can have authority, but no influence. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, you know, you could have influence and no authority, you, you, you know, you, 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 you can have so you know that an, an, an influencer with no authority means that they've not got the job title but they've got all the influence to influence the EB so when we talk about EB um, the one thing that has changed Andy in, 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 in time is EB used to be who is the EB the economic buyer who's got final discretion uh, and has got the ability to say yes and no um, not the person who writes the check the person who's got the uh the the, the ultimate discretion mm-hmm. and then we used to say at ptc we had to meet them mm-hmm. now that's in uh much more of a structured uh, uh organization where everyone is in the same box in the same room yes uh, uh, uh you know when you're selling to a manufacturing company in blackburn that was often the case you know mm-hmm. the, the engineers were on this level and the management on this level and the ceo was over there probably in a you know in the, in, in a different building yeah but on the same area. Mm-hmm. Well, with digitalization and with globalization, the EB could be uh, in China, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not going to meet the EB. So I, uh, in, in my implementation of uh, Medic, uh, modified that to uh, who is the EB mm-hmm. and can we access the EB right. via, via influence or direct. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to build an influence chart, uh, which we do in all of our deals. And uh, we need to have the EB named and we need to have triangulated that that person is the EB. And then can we have an influence line to the EB? And the influence lines are, impossible, uh, are invisible. So mm-hmm. by the way, the influence line could be inside or outside the organization or inside or outside the the, the deal you're working on. Mm-hmm. So we have a deal at the moment and I'm obviously not going to mention the deal and I'm not going <laughs> to mention the, uh, anything about it. But we're using another uh, technology company as accessing the EB via that company. And we're hijacking their influence line because mm-hmm. they've got influence. And if you want to use Powerbase, uh, influence means uh, value plus recognition. So value was delivered by this partner. The EB recognizes the value came from this partner. So that's an influence line. Brilliant. In, yeah. In stated. Uh, um, go back to science. <laughs> uh, we get back. We we get to this partner. We hijack their influence line. How do we do that? We deliver value to this partner. They recognize it. They're like great, and they'll take us straight there. So we cut out all of the politicalness in the organization. Yeah. EB takes us straight. So the best sales guys in the world, in my opinion, are using influence to get around the organization, not necessarily. Uh, the old organizational chart structure. 
Yeah. And, and, and the thing that you've nailed there, I think, is what I think so important and think so many people miss is that what you've described there is, is for me, elite level selling. You know, it's, it's, it's taking a zoomed out approach, taking a collaborative approach. You know, that person working on that deal is involving probably you, maybe some other people in the team to really kind of get a good view, get some perspectives, get some real excitement, but also um, different view viewpoints on that deal and you say outside people as well. So you're, you're leaving no stone unturned in what is, as you mentioned a moment ago, quite a difficult process often is to get access or engagement with the economic buyer. So your approach there, because you recognize how critically important it is or how valuable it is to the success of your deal, that it's worth doing these things. And I always say it's a bit like this. It's like that, that, that extra mile that people talk about in customer service a lot, going that extra mile where there's less traffic. People often say to me, you know, it's, it's really hard to get to economic buyer. I say, good. It is really good. You wouldn't want it to be easy because then it would level all that additional um, additional great work you've done there. It would make that easy, and then it, it wouldn't. You know, you wouldn't be the rewarded for the great selling that you're doing there. So, and it's not just about your rival doing that because that economic buyer by nature will have a number of initiatives and you know not a unlimited budget. So, you know, it's about you, as you say, bringing that value to them in a credible way, um, so that they can kind of you know, you're more likely to have a successful outcome. So I think that's, I, I loved hearing how you articulated well, that. Look, look, let me give you a real simple example of influence, right? Um, uh, Johnny is going through, oh, let me use Sprinkler. I don't even know whether you're connected to um, Luca and the guys at Sprinkler anymore, but let, let's say, let, let me use me. I'm, I, okay. I think Luca's a good friend of mine. Yep. I've never worked at Sprinkler but Luca's a really good mate, you know, good friend of mine. I've known Luca for, for a very, very long time. Johnny's going through a recruitment process and he's passed all of the processes and and I yeah, you know, Johnny knows me and I don't really know Johnny that well, but I know somebody who does know Johnny. And then Luca yeah. calls me up and says, Hey Andy, I'm interviewing Johnny tomorrow. I see you're connected. How do you know him? I'm like, give me a minute. I call someone I trust. They're like, oh my God, Johnny's very bad for these <laughs> hey, Luca, I, I think Johnny's pretty bad you know for these reasons Johnny's over that's influence mm-hmm. Luca trusts me I trust him I value blah 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 right so Johnny's like what happened everyone's like done yeah. Johnny's looking at the old chart going but I covered all Luca's direct report yeah. they all think I'm great uh what happened yeah and there's an example so brilliant example that's a brilliant example. But that's a real life example. That happens in real life. So, you know, um, I'm a little, you know, I've been in the industry for quite a long time now. A lot of the people who are engineering managers when I started are now CTOs or mm-hmm. guys who are, are now CEOs. So uh, it, it becomes a pretty narrow market uh, eventually. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you, you're not more than two steps away if you want to use your brain. Yes. To get yeah. that level of influence, right? So um, p- p- part of that is understanding the decision process, going mm-hmm. back to that, understanding the decision process for the deal. It might not be need, you know, it, it, you got to understand because if you've got the EB wrong uh, and you haven't stepped that out and in a, in a, in a flow chart and you don't know who the EB is, again, lazy selling you're not the first organization to sell to that company. Go and find a friend who's sold to that company. They're yeah. probably going to tell you their learnings pretty quick, and that's going to yeah. save you a world of pain. 
Exactly. Um, right. Yeah. And then likewise, you know, bringing it back to, you know, if you, the, the Johnny example there, if Johnny had a good champion, um, at least, you know, he's going to find out potentially ahead of, 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 of the, um, ahead of the call that's been set up about, you know, about his reference check with third party person outside the company. There's a chance that they'll be ahead of that. Worst case, he will at least be able to kind of work on the back foot from it. Cause you know, we've all, there's probably been all cases in everyone's career where they've worked somewhere where it didn't work out um, and they would get a bad reference from that place. So being able to, and the same with bringing it back to sales, there'll be that one customer where there's been a bad implementation or a, a, a product that didn't hit the ground as much as it should have done. And so that's, that's bringing it back to sales, that kind of understanding that pool of references, but using the champions to make sure that you're on top of where they're looking and who they're talking to, I think is, is as equally important. Well, you know, one of the one of the parts of champion development, uh, which is the second step of champion building, is uh, development being teaching. Is you need to teach the champion objection prevention, mm-hmm. uh, the objections that are going to come up, and this is how you prevent them from happening, Mister Champion. Uh, um, you know, whether it be oh, it's going to be too expensive. So rather than being able to handle that objection, to put that in the hand of the champion. So that he prevents the uh, objection from arriving. Yeah. So you're probably thinking this is expensive, <laughs> but let me tell you why it's not. So, um, look, a champion is just a, not just, but a champion is a salesperson who works for you in the inside. So, and they defend your cause. That means you've recruited them. That means they're your responsibility as a staff member, just not on your paycheck. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, uh, there's nothing more important than champions. But you, uh, you'll be surprised at how many people go from thinking they've identified a champion to then using a champion and then the champion failing and then they're moving on. But what they missed is they missed developing the champion. Yes. It's no different to recruiting a, a new salesperson, not teaching them your product and then putting them in the field and then them failing every discovery meeting and then you firing the salesperson, well, it's actually your fault because you never developed it. hundred percent. Yeah, I could not agree more with that. I think that's exactly right. And I think there's so many parallels there about how we enable our teams to, to go to market. And you, 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 I know you, you're a, a fan of the command of the message from the PTC days and obviously force management taking that to the kind of the next level. I'm actually not, by the way. I don't believe the word command. I think that's wrong. I changed it at BMC to... Um, Lead the message. Lead, lead the message. message. I like that. Yeah. I, I, I command was a PTC uh, term where we uh, we did have command and control, and 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 you know me and John Kaplan can argue all day long about that. But <laughs> thinking, uh, I would pay to see that. If if we're, it's big news at the moment, all this sort of white collar boxing uh, YouTubers, I'd like to see two of the greatest sales leaders of our time go. You know, maybe maybe people listening along hit up on the comments in LinkedIn if you want to see you know in the ring. Command of the message versus lead of the message, Andy versus John. Uh, that would be something. Have, to have you ever met Kaplan? I have. <laughs> he's, he's a bit bigger than me, right? So, uh, yeah, but uh, you've got the you've got the you're you're the former elite athlete. You've so got was he. So oh, that's he. true. That's true. Yeah, good point. So, uh, yeah, but no, I, I just I just uh, I'll fight dirty. <laughs> it would be an MMA game rather than a, a boxing match. I see. Yeah. Kaplan's I love that. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's he's a uh, he's been an incredible inspiration to me from from my career. I think I you know I, I that's no secret. So um, yeah, what a what a good shout out to that to, to Mr. John Kaplan, the uh, yeah yeah Mr. Uncommon, uh, who's doing this is his uh, catchphrase, isn't it? I love it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, Andy, sir, thank you so much. This has been you know an absolute pleasure, and like I always say with these things, for me, it's just a great chance for me to uh, to learn from the best. And to make no doubt about it, today I feel like my my SQ sales IQ, whatever you want to call it, is is has grown. So thank you so so much um, for your time. And um, good luck with the book. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, if uh, if you if, if there's anyone listening to this that's you know that's up on the up in their career and wants to um, go and join a great company, I always whenever I whenever I see you and you're always recruiting, you must have uh, you must uh, you must uh, do hundreds of interviews a year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if that was a good applying for imply, yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 absolutely, and. Um, you know, one of the things that I, uh, I I think is hopefully coming across is I believe that it, it, it's about development and it's about learning. And the best, 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 best role we have in, in the company is uh, sales development rep. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that is the safest place to learn. And, you know, people have a lot of stigma attached to that. Oh, we're, all they're doing is qualifying and, and, and doing inbound and qualifying. I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, my average age of an SDR is 27, yep. by the way. The average length they stay as an SDR is six months, but oh, then wow. they get promoted and fly. So because wow. I believe it's sales development, so they're being developed. Brilliant. I love so, that. Uh, so, yeah, if this is a shout-out for anyone who wants to join us, then uh, – yeah, we're recruiting, uh, but I want to recruit um, and build our own, right? So all the best teams in the world, you go back to the Busby Babes, you talk about football, go back to Alex Ferguson, yeah. you know, uh, you know, even I'll, even though I'm a United fan, I'll go back to Liverpool and talk mm-hmm. about Paisley and all those guys. I've all built from within, and that's that's what I want to do. So, and that's what I've done uh, in my career, and that's what we're doing in Fly. So, yeah, if you want to uh, apply, go for it. And I know one thing from just from knowing you for as long as I have, Andy, that you're, you know, you're, um, you know, we're fortunate enough in this industry that if we're successful, we earn very good money. And so, you know, it, it becomes, there comes a point where it's, it's about more than that. And I know I can tell by the way that you conduct yourself, the way you kind of build these great teams that, um, it's, uh, I think it's more around kind of, I love this sort of thing of like legacy over currency. And I think that if you think back about what we've talked a bit about today from the PTC days through to, you know, what we didn't actually dig into too much, but it was like the blade logic and the blade logic mafia and the proliferation of success that came from that. I always say to, to, to young, um, uh, enthusiastic people getting into this industry that you want to find, you want to attach your car to the next PTC, the next blade logic, the next one of those things that it is. And um, an appre- I would call it an apprenticeship with you, sir. That must be one of the best out there. I, I don't know. You can, I've got a lot of LinkedIn uh, recommendations and you can speak to any people who've worked for me. Uh, don't go into leadership unless you want to develop people. Yeah. Certainly don't go into leadership for, for, for income. <laughs> You'll get stock and wealth, but you won't get income. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, I'm not, uh, this is going to sound crass, so take me out the equation. But uh, if you had a choice of going into, you know, uh, and work work under a manager, let's say Alec Ferguson, or go and be the number nine for whoever the manager is at Scarborough, 
Um, you do all day long. You take the, you know, the, the, the pupillage and learn. Uh, but that's because not because it's Alec Ferguson. That's because he put together a a pure process around personal development. Yes. Uh, as opposed to this organization over here that might just be about execution. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, Andy. Development isn't for everyone, mate. Mm-hmm. It's not. It really isn't, right? So yep. people haven't got time for it. That you know, they you know, and that's okay, right? Um, it, 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 it's just. Uh, the legacy, I, I, I don't know. Um, your only legacy, in my opinion, can be the people, right? And that sounds really, you know. No, I agree with that. That's bullshitish, but yeah. I mean that sincerely, right? So if you've done a good job, you're going to have a number of people who've worked for you who've gone on and done astounding things, mm-hmm. uh, and you know that's that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. And, um, if they go on and do great things, then that's 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 fantastic. Yeah. The, the other thing I'll add to that as well, I always say, is that working for a year, let's say, uh, as a, an SDR at Imply is going to be 10x, literally 10x the enterprise sales experience you would get from being a AE at an expense software management company or a document management company. Because uh-huh. the, 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 the level of sales you're going to be exposed to is, is going to be so much more. Okay. Take me out of the equation, right? You pick, 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 pick a leader, not a role, right? That's 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 old as dirt, right? So, um, you know, if you're going to go into battle, you, you you need to pick the right team to be with, not necessarily the, uh, you know, uh, just the glory, right? But again, some people want the glory. That's fine, right? That's cool, right? You, you know, if that's not what you want, so uh, um, to be a uh, I'm going to, you know, it's kind of a man phrase, uh, you know, he's kind of coined it now, but to be a student of the game is, it, it, it genuinely means you're going to continue. And I've got these on my desk because I was literally talking to someone today about, you know, if you're going to literally say, I know spin, you need to know spin. Yeah. If you're going to say, I know medic, you've got to know medic. Yes. Right? And, and, and this is why I don't like the term medic companies because medic isn't a company thing. It's a, it's a personal thing. It's what you do. It's how you behave. It's what you, how you communicate, how you're, how you're effective with your time, your words, how you're effective in delivering value. It's not a company thing. It, 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 I really, really, really detest this. <laughs> Recruiters have now coined medic companies. Yes. Um, it, it, there are no medic companies. There are software companies. Um, and uh, yeah. That, that, yeah. That's probably my last statement on it, mate. <laughs> I like it. You, 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 you finished how you started. So you're consistent there. That's good. That's a good close. We're wrapping up. So right, that's good. Thank you so much, Andy. It's been an absolute pleasure, as I say. And um, yeah, I, look, I, I can just hear it already. People hitting up my inbox wanting to get you back on. So I'm sure we can get much more into some of these topics again in the future. It'd be great. All right. Cheers, Andy. Thanks, buddy. Good Thank luck. you, sir. Cheers. <laughs>